Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I figure if a girl wants to be a legend, she should just go ahead and be one. From the musical Calamity Jane. Hello and welcome to Just Make The Thing, a podcast for people like me. I'm Claire Tonti, for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. This week, I am joined by Katie Monty Diamond, a legend in her own right. This girl built her career from the very beginning with dogged determination. She's an example of someone who, by being honest and open and frank and funny, but also hardworking, has ended up with a career that she can definitely be proud of. She's also a mum to two gorgeous boys, Baxter and Arlo, and she, her partner Sam Kavanagh is a radio producer as well around the traps in Melbourne. This interview was so much fun to do. We sat in Monty's beautiful home and just talked about her life, about her career, about where she came from, how she started in radio, and that moment when her career seemed to fall apart and change direction and she founded Show and Tell Online, which is a really cool website I recommend you going to check out too. There's a lot of swearing in this episode, but that's kind of fun. So off we go. Here she is, the Wonder Woman herself, Katie Monty Diamond. Call you Monty or Katie or Diamond or You can call me whatever you like. Okay. So my mum calls me Katie. Okay. But right when I started radio, I got Monty. So, because there were so many Kates on air. There was Kate Langbrook, there was Kate Ritchie, and I did my time in Albury, mm. um, like my kind of apprenticeship in radio, and there was a Kate on air there. So they're like, go with a nickname. So Monty came from Die Monty Monty. Oh, so I know how people know me post or pre radio from what they call me. Yeah. And so do you prefer Monty now? Is that what you prefer? Or whatever. What is Babe, Sam? sexy, call me whatever you want. <laughs> Gorgeous. Gorgeous. What does Sam call you? Katie. Katie. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Because he yeah. knew you before Monty. Pre-radio, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Why radio? Like, how did you land there? You know what? You know, I was thinking the other day, I vividly remember when I was about nine, we were away on a family trip with different families and... We were talk, the kids were all going, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember saying, I want to be a DJ. And I remember the kids laughing. And I remember going, okay, that's not cool. We won't do that then. Like I got really embarrassed. So I didn't say anything about it forever. Didn't even think about it again. And I literally kind of fell into it because I got a job doing the Black Thunders, driving around the cars, you know, yeah. handing out the cans of Coke. And then I just started to work behind the scenes on some shows and I did a show on CNFM with Jess Harris who you Oh, had. I interviewed too. Yes. She's awesome. She's yeah, we had a show called You're Drunk and it was <laughs> Jess Harris and one of my best mates, Abby, and we just used to – it was ridiculous but so much fun. 
And so, yeah, from working behind the scenes, just started to go, I want to do this. I reckon I can can do this and just chipped away and then and ended up, eventually ended up mm. on air. I read that you wrote a letter to Kate Lanebrook yeah. with like a bit, piece of audio. Yes. What was in that letter? I loved Kate and still do. She's mm. heaven. She's so free with how she broadcasts, like literally mics on or off, that's her. And I just admire that. I think mm. that's it. Just incredible. So I loved Kate and I thought I'm going to reach out to the women who are where I want to get. And so I um, sent Kate a letter saying, you know, I'm, I'm in Albury, I'm plugging away here. I'd love you to listen. Any feedback you've got would be great. And she actually listened to it, which is fucking annoying. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> as if she's got time to do that. And then she passed it straight on to the program director at Nova. And that's kind of how he started to take notice of me. In the background, I was sending him stuff anyway, sending every program director demos back then that I would literally, you know, record onto a CD and send off. But I thought, you know what? There, so many women are happy to help you. You know what I mean? That's what it's like. Why not just ask? And so mm. I asked her... And also, I don't know if you know Bridget Duclos and James Brayshaw. I used to do the phones occasionally for them and I took Bridget out for a coffee and picked her brain. She's like, let's do a demo. And so her and James jumped in the studio with me and I just kind of picked the brains of different women in the industry, mm. heard their stories about how they got there and, you know, took what I could kind of yeah. get my – I had to do my own path. Everyone does their own path. But it, so it helped true. to have those women. Yeah. What is it about you that's fearless like that? Because that takes a lot of confidence to do that. Yeah, I guess so. I just, I remember when I got into radio, I was so tunnel vision with it, which is my best and worst thing. You know, you're, normally your best thing's also your worst. Like I'm mm. so tunnel vision that it's like I'm doing this and I'll get there. But it sometimes it's like, <laughs> it's not good, Sam. My partner's always like, mate, your best and your worst, they're so extreme, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember going, this can't fail. I do not have a plan B and I want to do this and I will get there. And so I don't know if that was a part of it of going, well, fuck, I need the help. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. It's a podcast. Um, yeah. I need, I don't know. I just kind of thought, what's the harm? What's the worst case scenario? They say no. And yeah. no one ever did in terms of, of when I would reach out for help. And people I think really like if you kind of approach it and saying, I really would love your advice, people kind of like that. Mm, yeah. So I don't know where the no fear came from. I think that the fear for me was actually failing at getting to where I wanted to, that I would take the steps, even though I felt uncomfortable to, because I knew it would pay off in the long run. Yeah. So you were like, I could see my vision. I can see what it is I want and yeah. I'm going for it. But the fear is not getting it totally. was worse than sitting in sitting back on the couch and not doing anything about it. Yeah, one hundred percent. You agree? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's so interesting. Were you always a kid who was performing at home for your parents or your family? Yes and no. Like I, I was no more than I think any other kid. We do dances and stuff like that. But I'm not. I know I like with the radio show. I'm, but I'm not doing it in front of people. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like literally yeah. in a studio and. So even though I know a lot of people are listening, I never think that because it's like you and I sitting across from each yeah. other now. So yeah. even though I'm a, a performer, I don't think of myself like that. I get on and I speak shit and I talk about 
stuff that I would with a mate. Yeah. And yeah. I don't see who I'm talking to outside of who's in the room with yeah. me. So you're not doing like a cabaret show no, on stage I'm not and like Simonties yeah. and yeah. like all of that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would, but <laughs> I don't. So I don't, yeah. But I, I find that so interesting that you can end up just with such a, an amazing tunnel vision for something. Because I think people often struggle with actually figuring out what they want to do yeah. more than even then how to get there. What do you think about the freestyle of radio? Do you plan things or does it just kind of come naturally and you're just who you are on as soon as the mics go on? We do plan. We have a producer and so we run – our show is quite different, the 3pm pickup I'm doing at the moment on KISS mm. because – there's not a huge amount of studio time and we don't have a lot of pre-planning. We shoot our ideas to our producer and she kind of plots it in a run sheet. So I, nothing's ever written, but we'll go, okay, I want to talk about, you know, my son Arlo said something funny and that'll just be placed in the run sheet. So we know what's coming up, but yeah. you, we don't read it verbatim or do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a conversation yeah, yeah. and so, we'll see where yeah. it goes. And Yeah. Which I love. I love the kind of it can go anywhere like we'll have an idea but it often ends up somewhere else yeah and I love that freedom and that immediacy and it's like oh that was shit but that's okay the mics will be on in three minutes let's talk about something else yeah yeah do you ever get worried about sharing too much of yourself no because there is not enough to talk about to fill a show every day do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, man, to fill a show is so much content. To fill five shows a week, it's like if I don't talk about my family, I know a lot of people don't, but if I don't talk about what's going on in my life, then I don't have much to talk about because I don't do a huge amount. So it's like as soon as the kids do something, I'm like, you beauty, there's a break for tomorrow. Yeah. But I've always been an oversharer. I don't have many boundaries. So I think that has helped me as well because I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't really care people knowing. Obviously, there's some things I don't. Yeah. How, does, how do the people in your life feel about that? Sometimes I'll change names. Oh. I, I guess early on there would be a couple. There was maybe only two times I've felt like I've hurt people and completely unintentionally. But because my boundaries are very different than other people's, sometimes I've crossed that line. And I, to me, I was like, oh, I didn't realise that would be too far and that is an awful feeling so it only took me like one or two times of going shit I've hurt one of the closest people to me from sharing that story that I'll sometimes I'll change names or say for Sam my partner who's also in radio we've always done shows at the same time so he's never been able to hear my show like never for the never? last 10 years now nah. my god yeah it's crazy I know but it's amazing too because I can share things and he'll be like did you talk about this today and I can make it sound not as bad as I actually <laughs> actually did somebody would go like I heard Monty talk about this and I'll be like yeah but I didn't say it like that yeah it was fine yeah don't worry babe yeah totally yeah how yeah. did you meet Sam I know you mentioned he, you met him before radio how did you meet him? We met at Fox FM. Remember the Tracy and Matt show? Yeah, I love that show. Did oh you? God, yeah, with I Tracy love, Bartram. Yes, I love Tracy Bartram. So he was assistant producing on that show mm-hmm. and I was a Black Thunder pilot. And so we just met at like an open board broadcast one day and then I was just obsessed with him to start with. <laughs> Were you like, he's so hot. Yeah, he's so hot. Oh, and he yeah. had like a mohawk <laughs> and he was super cool <laughs> and he was in control and it was like this cute producer running around. And then just over um, time I razzled and dazzled him and 
my like psycho stalking got me that boyfriend. I just had this image of you shimmying him past him, just oh, like seriously, dazzling. Yeah. Star jumps, yeah. <laughs> look at me, look at me. Yes, yeah. So you wore him down over time. I wore him, and and he Hamish Blake was working with him at that time. Hamish was a writer on that show, mm. and Sammy and Hamish were good mates, and I became mates with Hamish. He and I just really clicked, and. So he and I would hang out a lot and often Sam would be there as well. And so it, it happened quite organically, even though the fir- I literally the first time I saw Sam, I'm like, he's, he, he's amazing. Um, it took him a while. He didn't feel <laughs> quite the same way. Now I've got him wrapped around my little finger. Oh, yeah, but... exactly. It's tables of tent, <laughs> I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> How did you know he was the like one you wanted to have kids with? And because you guys aren't married either, we're which not is married. I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, is that, a, is that like a conscious choice not to get married? It is. Yeah. Imagine I just sat here and said he will never ask me. <laughs> you just seriously could have put a real screech into this. <laughs> I really could. Be uh, like, oh, good. <laughs> How awkward. I know, but no, it's not awkward. We um, I don't know. We uh, so when I first saw him, he was just. He's got this energy, you know, Sam. Yeah, he's just he's got awesome. this beautiful energy about him, and he's there's just no bullshit about him, and mm. it was refreshing. I was like, this isn't, and I found him really attractive. And he's so, you know, when you watch somebody work and they're really good at what mm. they do, it's so attractive. Mm. Um, and I, so I think all of those combined, I was like, I need to be with this guy, and. And then just over the time, yeah, we got together and then we talked about marriage and this is where it probably sounds like there's stuff that you've got to work on there. My parents broke up when I was little, like a lot of people's, but I think I have in me that marriages end Mm. and if we don't get married, it can't break. And I get that that's really not like we've got a house, we've got kids, of course, it's the same as being married. But I think there's something deeper in me that is like, um, it, can't, it won't break as easily if that's mm. not there. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? It I does. get it's not rational. I get it. And I've only just started to go, that's why. Because normally I'd be like, no, 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 we're happy. And you know what? One day we might, but both of us are pretty content. Mm. We are very content. We've got our kids. We're mortgaged to our eyeballs. It's <laughs> like we couldn't be <laughs> any more committed. And also just it never didn't fit with either of us that well, the whole concept of you know, the wedding and, and I know a lot of people are the same with same-sex marriage and I would always go, when that's legal, we'll do it. And so I had quite a few friends go, it's legal. I'm like, I oh, fuck, I wish I'd have said that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but maybe yeah. one day, but I just think, yeah, I'm, I'm happy and he's happy, so why do we need to spend a fortune on doing that? Yeah. And I, one day I'll unpack those skeletons. <laughs> open the closet yeah, and peer yeah. in and shut it again. Yes. Oh, God, don't need to look there. <laughs> I think, though, that it is refreshing in a way to be able to have that conversation and be honest about it because sometimes people do things just because everyone else is doing them. Yeah. Right? Rather than because you're really consciously in your life awake going, is this right for me? Yeah. And that's, I think that's a really great thing. Yeah, and marriage does come with a lot of like historical baggage and, totally. and all those sorts of things. I know that you're really passionate about the gay marriage issue and you must be so excited that it's finally legal. Yeah. How, why are you so passionate about it? What's your perspective on it? I just, and, it, and it's not just that, I just feel injustice in any area is fucked up. Do you know what I mean? No, I like it. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Still sit on the back of the bus. Your skin yeah. is dark. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I don't, and I have some beautiful friends. You know, we lived the exact, one of my best mates, we went to school together and, and he came out and, and then I was like, why 
because you're born a certain way, do I have more rights than you? It just does not sit with me properly. Mm. Like, you know, thank God majority of Australians feel the same, you know, but I just, and also I had a platform, you know, where I could go, let's talk about this. This is Mm. a real issue here. And that's when I love having the website show and tell or I love the radio show because I can talk about it on there and I know that's when most of the, I'll get the, ma- you know, the messages of shut up, blah, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. And, but I like that. I like having those conversations. Yeah, but was- I remember we had Tony Abbott on the show mm. and I felt really, I felt really strong because so, I was so sure of my stance and I just feel when you have those conversations – I feel that when people's views are so naive and that they unravel a little bit and so I felt pretty powerful having Tony Abbott on there and then him just being backed into a corner because it's like, mate, it makes no sense. It just makes no sense to me. Like Sam and I will often talk and I'll say everyone has an opinion but when it comes to equality, there's no opinion to be had. There's there's a right and a wrong with that for me mm. which, you know, is is not the instance with everything but with this I'm like nah this this is so insane to me how can you think that that's okay if your daughter is gay to go nah you can't get married sorry mate yeah and that's a thing when it's personal yeah it suddenly becomes different totally yeah did how did you handle that was he did he just end up sort of stumbling over his words and you had to move on yeah he did a bit and it was over the phone which probably and I was a lot younger then as well this was about eight years ago so we were still We've obviously a come a long, long way, way since then. Long way, but I just remember I even I had points written out because often when I am passionate about something, I become extremely is it inarticulate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. That Thank was very you. articulate. Thank you. Well done, Monty. Yes. yes. So I just had my points, and I just you know I wanted our audience, and I wanted him to hear my views and and just address the this the. You know, here I see, here I go. This is what I mean. So I should have points written down. <laughs> I should have warned you. I should have warned yeah. you that I was going to yeah. ask you this blah, question. Blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about the Kardashians. Yeah. I can talk about the Kardashians. Okay, excellent. <laughs> oh, God. I don't even know. I am so out of the loop with the Kardashians and that whole world. I'm really bad at it. So you know that they're doing Brazilian butt lifts, right? What Which is sucking what? fat out of their stomach and their inner thighs no. and shooting it in their ass. That's no. why their hips are so thin, no. their tummies are so thin, their asses are so big. Yeah. No. What is that called? Brazilian butt lift. That is disgusting. Isn't it? That is gross. Yeah, man, what Kylie the younger one disappears for like has her baby comes back and has a waist the size of a the- bottle cap. Oh, mate. Yeah. Oh, I just think they are doing such a disservice to uh, women. And yeah. I used to be like, live and let live, women support women. But I'm like, no, that is misogyny in a different form. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just think, what are you doing for women? And that is something I wanted to ask you about, actually, because radio has a real reputation for being quite a boys' club. Yeah. And I know I'm sure it's, it's definitely changing now. I think from my perspective anyway, as mm. someone on the outside, what has it been like being a woman in that industry in radio over time? Um, so at the current team I'm in is all mm. women mm. and it is fabulous. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, they're, and they're gorgeous. So cool. Bex, really green 
really new, so excited to learn, so just is a sponge, you know, and that's what I love about her. She's just like so um, wants to get better and wants to learn and Yumi's just a, a pro and our producer Mel was actually Sam's first producer, kind of Sam, my partner's mentor back in the day and now I've snatched her up. So our team's Oh, I just love it. It's so beautiful. And I definitely work better with women. And again, I think that goes back to probably daddy issues (laughs) Um, where sometimes I feel intimidated by men. And so I prefer to be around people I'm comfortable with and, and I connect with women on a different level. But I have definitely struggled over the time I worked Every team I've worked in prior to this was male-dominated in terms of the production, the producers and my co-hosts and I was super supported but also at times felt, uh, yeah, I just sometimes would be like, shit, this is just very imbalanced and um, I would feel the pressure to have that female voice and represent when I first started represent every female voice and it's which is completely impossible yeah Um, yeah. (laughs) easy yeah and also I when I fell pregnant with my first son that's when I really felt huge discrimination Um, I got really sick when I fell pregnant with Bax and I was in a new show in Sydney Sydney Brecky moved from Melbourne to Sydney uh, we had a new boss. So he didn't know me. There was, so there was no personal connection there at all. The show wasn't really working. And then when I fell sick and then came back on air, I was told not to, I wasn't to drive any of my own stories, just to chip into the boys, mm. quote, and support the boys uh, because the audience wouldn't be used to me not being there. Because I hadn't been there, the audience would be shocked when I came back in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's weird. I was young then. I looked back and go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But I just was like, okay, because I was scared. I was like, well, what if I lose my job? And, well, to be honest, I wasn't that young, I guess. I was 30. But it was breakfast radio in Sydney, which is one of the biggest gigs you can do, you know. And I didn't feel I was established enough that if I lost my job, what was I going to do? This whole thing, if if radio doesn't work, what the fuck am I going to do? And I had... Uh, the first thing this boss said to me when I went back to work was, make sure you're ready to come back. I know someone that's miscarried. Oh my God. I know, right? And I'm oh like, God. this is madness. I just felt so uncomfortable, but I felt like I didn't have a voice. And then and then I, they ended up saying, we're taking you out of the show. And it was the... I remember being ecstatic when it happened because I'm like, well, I've still got a year and a half of this contract, so you fuckers are paying this out. So I got a year and a half of amazing maternity leave, but I was really scared. I'm like, what am I going to do? But that gave me the freedom to start my own thing, and that's when I started Show and Tell. So, yeah, there was huge discrimination there, and I think that is also what makes me gun-shy with working with men because I sometimes, like I said, if I'm passionate about things, I can't find my words properly and I get can get emotional, and which is fine, but at the same time I feel more supported and more connected to women working with women than I do with men. Mm, mm, absolutely. I, I could totally see that. What, if you don't mind me asking, you can say if you don't want to talk about it, what happened when you were growing up, do you think that made you feel that way around guys or is it Um, more complex than that? I don't know. It probably is more complex. I think because mum and dad broke up when I was four or five and it's that, you know, you make up your mind when you're that young and you kind of live out 
the rest of your life with the decision you made as a five-year-old. Done a lot of work on this shit. Um, <laughs> therapy, mate. It's yeah, amazing. Therapy, it's yeah. gold. And I think that, you know, in grind, I was like, okay, well, dad's left, men leave. And that's probably a part of it as well as I have the most beautiful stepdad but when I was younger, I didn't feel comfortable with him. And so I kind of felt like I couldn't say what I was thinking and what I was feeling. And as I've got older and got to understand him all, that's completely different. But back then I did. So I think those main men in my life back then, just little things probably happened where I felt I don't really have a voice around men and I don't necessarily feel that comfortable around them. And like I would gravitate to my mum and my nan and so I probably can pinpoint it to something like that mm. and there's probably been other things over the time where I haven't felt necessarily safe or supported by men. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it, that you then ended up in a career that's – well, now was anyway, quite yeah. male-dominated where you do have to speak out and have a voice and yeah. hold your own in that kind of boys' club mentality. Yeah, I wonder that's if it that's says that's something weird there where I've gone, okay, I'll do that. And it's, it is so – hugely male dominated on air Mm -hmm. you know that's why and often I'll speak with you know your Chrissy Swans and your Kate Langbrooks and and you know there's a handful of us that are on air and that with that comes quite a confidence because you know if you lose your job within a year or two you're going to get another one because the pond's so fucking small (laughs) do you know what I mean yeah it's so um it's you know you're not going to be out of the game for very long because um, yeah, no yeah. one's willing to take a risk on new people either. So it's there's this, such this it's literally two handfuls of women in the radio industry, and really amazing women who deserve jobs as oh, well and 100%. have worked, you know, have are doing incredible things. But at the same time, there's just not many of us. Yeah. Why? Why are they more know. likely to take a risk on guys? I just wonder if this is where it comes in, where at sometimes women women's own worst enemies at the same time. I don't know if it's whether – I don't even believe it anymore. I don't think women go, I want to hear men. I think women do want to hear women. Mm. I think that they're just – for example, in Melbourne, Chrissy and Jane Breakfast Show did so well and then – Yeah, and they blew that up and it was – uh, and I really rate Kiss for we're the only female or female show in on air. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, in the whole country. But there's so many just male shows. I just don't think ra- radio is really old school and people don't like to take risks mm. because it's expensive and it's everyone lives and dies by ratings. But I think there needs to be massive changes. Mm. Like it's it's insane to me. It is insane because the more in the game that we're in in podcasting, the more women like I listen to predominantly women led shows. Yeah, Be, and it's not, and I listen to guys talk as well. But predominantly, I find women funnier. Yeah, I, I relate to their content more, yeah. and we're fifty percent of the population. I we're know. the ones in the cars driving the kids to like pick them up from school and and all of those things. Yeah. And so yeah, it does seem really crazy to me that there there isn't equal if not more women on radio than I guys totally and we talk agree. more we're better at it yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know legit like yeah. legitimately in a classroom in primary teaching like the girls are the ones who talk first they talk more yeah. they're, they're more articulate they have more to say they're more confident in so many ways and then as they get older by the time they hit five six the girls don't say anything and the boys right. are the ones that kind of overshadow them and are really loud. Really? Mm-hmm. That's and, interesting. Mm, and I sometimes wonder socially what happens. Like yeah. what are we telling girls as they grow up about the type of woman you should be or what, yeah. what a girl should do? 
you know. I, I, I am so passionate about it because I think growing up as someone who loves to talk and, and had all these opinions, I was really bullied a lot at school for that. I mean, Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Right. I was also a big nerd and loved to have the answer. But yeah. I do think there is something that we're still not quite comfortable yet with a woman with a lot of opinions. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, yeah. And you can see that across our culture, even the Serena Williams thing. You know, there's yep. so many examples, but I'm, I'm hoping it's changing. Did you have to fight for the 3pm pickup? They've always been, that's, that show since it started has always been all women mm. um, because it is like the, the time where, you know, majority of people picking up the kids are women. Mm. So no, never with that. They've been amazing with going, let's make this a female show, which I guess at the end of the day comes down to, <laughs> to the money of it. But at the yeah, same time, yeah, yeah. they're, um, you know, even this year it's a three-hander of women where it hasn't mm. been that before. But, yeah, so no, I haven't had to with with that. Mm. But I do, you know, even just with the – there's so much at the moment. God, there's so far to go, Claire, isn't there? And yeah. I go, yeah. great, we have really come so far. But just even, yeah, for example, the – What's that week that, or the time that's happening on Channel 10 at the moment where... Oh, with all of the pilot, the pilot shows, shows and they're all terrible all concept with white dudes. Yeah. That's yeah. Bit, yeah, exactly. Um, so <laughs> I did, I was really interested about show and tell. Yeah. And I had a question around pregnancy and something that a lot of our, my friends have discussed recently. Do you think that falling pregnant in hindsight has made you better at your job? Yes. Mm. Do you? Yes. But what, why? It what gives me goosebumps, doesn't it? Because for people who are, you know, st- I was so scared. I'm like, it's all over. It's over. Everything's over. When I fell pregnant with Bax and I lost my job and I had no idea what I was doing, it was the best thing losing my job. It was the best thing having my baby. But also I'm not tunnel vision with career anymore. I can enjoy. <sighs> I enjoy it. Like I love it. Because I, I get it. It doesn't really fucking matter. You yeah. know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. none of it matters. Yeah. I've got my babies but I'm so – I still am really driven and I know it's a dirty word but I am ambitious. But it's – I, I am, can multitask. I can do it all, you know. It's, and none of it is as, – none of it's as heavy or as stressful as it used to be. Mm. Yeah. I became a lot more, I know like my best friend went the opposite way, but when I had my kids, I chilled the fuck out so much. Like I didn't, I stopped stressing as much where my friend's like, oh my God, I've got my babies. And she's like, you've gone the opposite. I'm you now. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sucked in. That's your rest of your life now. But I just found a like a, yeah, just, I don't know. I, I don't know why though. Yeah. Why do you think? Why do I think? Uh, maybe because you've got time to think. Because when you're breastfeeding or you're sitting there and you're up a lot at night, it's quiet. Yeah. There's only, you're 
you know, like I was on maternity leave, I was getting paid still. Yes. But I wasn't working. So I could kind of, I had a lot of space in my life to go, what are my priorities? What are the things that really matter to me? Am I happy in my job? I don't want to, like, this is the hardest freaking job I've ever done, this baby. What the fuck? And also labor I'll ask you about that in a minute holy moly yeah what is that but you yeah you sort of have this time that maybe guys don't ever get to really like reflect on your life and think okay I'm a mother now I've got this child if my career is going to take me away from them I want it to be something that I just has to be love yeah I'm passionate about and and it's important. So I've only got this precious time. And so the time that you've got to work, you're like, I'm here. Yes. You know? Totally, yeah. And then when you're not, you're with them. Yep. So maybe that's, for me, I think that might have yeah. been Yeah. Yeah. I also didn't, yeah, it kind of gave me an extra, okay, I, there's still so much I want to do. And I love, goes without saying, obviously I love my boys, but I don't love being with them all the time. Mm. I don't always love being a mum. Mm. I find it the hands down the hardest thing I have two boys who are hilarious and gorgeous but they're both intense extremely intense that I I'm like okay game on the minute they walk in the door so I um need work I can't like work to me is you know my kind of place where I go just to go ah oh my god (laughs) can get away from this which I know it is for a lot of women Mm. But I'm, I feel really lucky that I get to go to somewhere that I love. I love what I do. So then it makes me um, happy to go to work and I am really happy to leave the boys. You know, <laughs> me too. Yeah. I mean, I love my son. I love him. But, mate, I love being at work. Same. Too. As soon as I get in the car, I'm like, freedom. Yeah. <laughs> I know they roll down the window, yes. sort of pump Mariah Carey. I'm like, woo. <laughs> Driving down the highway. Yeah, See ya fuckers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so true. And I love the fact that we can talk about that and say that's okay. Because I, I saw an interview with you where you said when they were born initially, you weren't like overwhelmed with this like love to end all loves. No, I didn't yeah. get that. Did you? No. <laughs> God, I was waiting for it. So I gave birth and because one of my best mates had had babies before me and she said, Oh my God, the second I held her, it was just this, this love. Mm. And so I'm like, when's this fucking love coming? And I felt like I loved it, them, yeah. but I didn't feel that vroom. Oh, no. It didn't come for it. Like, I remember Bax didn't smile till he's 10 weeks and it's when he smiled. I'm like, oh, you're in there. Oh my God. And it hit me. I lo- but it was also, it grew over time. Mm. But I, and I remember saying to Sam, because when Bax was born, I looked over to him and I said, I'm not feeling anything. <laughs> And it was so great because he said, me neither, let's not worry about it. And it was like, okay, he's not either. And I'm because I, I, in that moment also I felt like Sam and I were a real team and we're going to get to learn about this little kid together. Yeah. But I did not get that overwhelming. I felt that protection and, yeah, I loved him. Like clearly I would have been pissed off if he'd gone, you know. But yeah, I yeah. Was, it took a while for me to feel that really intense love for mm. both of them. Mm. It's sort of, for me, it was that I got to know them. Yeah. And I got to know him, not them, him. Yeah. And over time, like I I love him obviously and I've loved him from when he was born, but now he's a little person. Yeah. With personality and loves the Lion King or like walks yes. around singing Frozen and I'm like, you are a legend. Yeah. But it took a long, it took time to yep. see that and I think it's really refreshing to hear that, that you're not, there's not something wrong with you if you immediately don't, 
love your baby in yeah. the way that you think that you will in a fairy tale. Was labour what you expected? Fuck how full on is that, man? It's that whole other world, isn't it? Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I hated it and I loved what? it at the same time. Really? Yeah. I mean, how often in your life are you going to do it? Like if I go again, it'll be max three times, you know? Like you just don't get to experience something that full on. I wanted to die, don't get me wrong, but after it I was like, wow, that was amazing. I did hypnobirthing and not that I really, I definitely wasn't in a different state. I didn't hypnotise myself to a point of like, oh, I'm just going to pop this kid out. Like it was, but I felt really empowered. There's no other word to use going into birth. I felt like I had a tool belt of, okay, my body can do this. I know I can do this. My baby's in position and let's, and I had the most incredible midwife and it's like all the stars just aligned for me that I could have the kind of birth that was amazing. Oh, I'm so jealous. What was yours? Traumatic and shit. Horrible. Shit. Just like real bad. I mean, I'm fine now, but it was it was so traumatic that I like I had to go into surgery afterwards. You're so kidding? No. So I was in surgery for like five hours or something after. Why? Why? Just because of the nature of it. So it's called a three C. And apologies to any guys who think this is really full on. But well, they need to know. Right? Okay. They do. They need to know what we've We're been through. bloody amazing women, Seriously. I tell you. Yeah. So, long tangent, going back to show and tell. Yeah. So, you were saying how it, it kind of gave you the space, that long extended maternity leave. Yeah. Where really you were discriminated against mm-hmm. being pregnant and them not really understanding that a woman, a woman can still function and do all the things she wants to do yeah. while pregnant. Yeah. How did show and tell come about and what's that journey been like? So it's about five years ago now and so I started it with Brooke Campbell who um, was a producer on The Circle and I used to go on, which was the show on Channel 10 with with Yumi Steins and and Chrissy Swan and Georgie Coughlin and uh, Denise Drysdale. It was on during the day and I would go on and just do guest hosting but what I loved about it was the really authentic chats, usually off camera that the women were having and I remember going, saying to Sam, I've got this, I want to do great interviews with women about their lives. But um, because I'd lost my job, my confidence was so low that I, it took me a lot to call Brooke to share my idea with her because I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to do it with her. I thought she can produce it, I can do the um, interviews. And then I remember sharing my idea with her of this loose idea of let's do something like this. Let's do a television show of these interviews and... And then when I shared it with her, she was like, yeah, amazing. And then we just kind of um, went from doing, pitching it in as a TV show. We were like, let's do it online. We can own it all. And her husband's like, what about show and tell? You know, like women show and tell about their lives. And we're like, yeah, great. Let's go with that. And it just grew pretty organically in terms of what it was. And it's evolved over time. So it's still very much based, literally, we interview these women on my couch and we used to film them, put the set the camera up on top of my baby's high chair. And, and we've had amazing women where they literally talk about their life and then other women can look at it and go, oh, my God, yeah, even Danny Minogue's been through that. Just so you feel normal, you feel not as as alone. And I wanted it to be based around women because I wanted to work with women. I wanted to – I was like, I'm never not going to work with who I want to work with now. And if that means I'm dirt poor, I'm dirt poor. I'm just not doing it anymore. Mm. And then Chantel really grew from there. We put things – everything that we kind of loved, we put on the site, so beautiful things for the home, chatting about parenting, friendship, relationships – a bit of what's going on in the world and, and that's essentially what, what the site is. Mm, that's awesome. 
Oh, thanks. It really is. It's a great space. Like you go in there and you feel like you're in your house actually. Oh, it has that good. similar vibe, like fresh yeah. and interesting and funny and frank and and a bit of high, a bit of low. A bit of everything. A bit of everything. Yeah. And the, and the interviews are really – I think really kind of candid and great and yeah. com- everyone yeah, seems really you. comfortable. I think too. also because I invite people into my house so it's automatically like, well, I'm vulnerable here, you know, and so we can yeah. drop into a different level straight away. Mm. Um, and then, you know, with anyone, you have a one-on-one chat, you, you can go to places that you wouldn't go to if you're sitting in a studio with lights and cameras mm. and so they and women the women know over time they're like okay these are really great chats and you don't often get to they don't get to show that side of themselves very often either mm. um so I think a lot of the women who come really enjoy it too yeah absolutely what were the struggles with starting something like that from scratch while you're a mum all yeah. of that stuff, because I'm sure it can't be all roses and easy. No, I, we literally had no idea what we were doing. And that's what gave me power. Like over time, I'm like, no one knows. Because no one knows. No! Yeah. That's, seriously, I say that to myself every day. Yeah. Yep, completely. Yeah, so for the first three years, it was nuts. I was working all the time and I remember Sam going, the, you have got to stop. It got to the point where it was almost like, this is, this is going to ruin us. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I don't know, I think something just, I don't know if it just clicked or I felt like we got in a good groove. We kind of got our work sorted out that it allowed me to click off because I could not click off. I'd be in bed and I'd think of an idea and I'd get up and write about it. But now I'm like, ah, no one's going to die. It's okay. Um, And during that time, my mum got diagnosed with cancer and that shifted my views a lot on how I work Mm. because, again, it was like this is not life or death. If we get up this post about Khloe Kardashian having her baby or not, it's okay, it's fine. So even though mum getting diagnosed has been the scariest thing, it's also been one of the best things because I've just slowed right down. Mm. But how do you, I mean, balance is bullshit. It's just, you can't, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, I have hours where I feel in control and balanced and then the next minute I could feel completely out of control. So it's just a constant moving of, mm. you know, have my to-do list. If I feel overwhelmed, I just delegate. I'm very good at delegating, too good at delegating. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best. When do you get to the point where you could delegate stuff? Oh, yeah. mate, it's dangerous. Yeah, I am I'm bad though because sometimes I'll delegate purely because I can't be fucked doing it. I'm like, nah, I don't feel like doing that today. But I think that's important because it can consume you. You can get so consumed and then years years have gone by, you know. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. What for? I'm so sorry about your mum. It's shit but she's amazing, you know. So we'll live – she'll have it for however long. What type of cancer is it? It was bowel cancer that went to her liver and her lung. And they got rid of it and that's come back on her lung and so we've got to maintain it. And she's my person. Like my mum is – I still very much feel that my mum is my family and then Sam and my boys, which I know is wrong. Um, Sam's like, we're your family. I'm like, yeah, yeah, after mum. Like after (laughs) But she's been there for everything. Everything, yeah. So – but when something like that happens, like with my stepdad, he and I have just got a really strong bond and when things are so extreme and so full on like that, as scary as it is, and I wish it didn't, but sometimes it does take something like that for you to go – what actually matters? That was a huge switch for me with work where I was like, slow down, mate. Like, 
just really doesn't matter. Mm. Mm, it's a big lesson. It's, it is hard. You sort of can't really until something terrible happens. I wish it wasn't like that. Mm. I really wish we could get, get it, but you just don't. We no. can't. No, no, absolutely not. So is it something that your mum has to just maintain yeah. and with yeah. treatments and Yes. And yeah. So fortnightly treatment. And she's in great health and she's not ready to go anywhere. So and I also think that stopped me thinking into the future so much. I used to go, Okay, what what have, what are my plans for the future? And I'm like, We just don't know what's around the corner. Like mm. never did we think that this would happen with mum or mm. I spent my whole life worrying about my nan dying and do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I've spent so much yeah. time worrying about things where now I'm like, I don't want to think to the future because I don't know what it's gonna be. No. And so that's it's slowed me down in that way as well. Yeah, well you sort of that's kind of the wonderful thing that comes with age because we're so old but yeah, that yeah. idea that you lean into the present more like even things like oh this meal is so freaking delicious I'm yeah. having the best time because my besties here and yes. we're having a great laugh and this is awesome and maybe my kid will wake up soon and they'll have to go feed him or like something yeah. will happen or who knows what will happen tomorrow but the sun's out now and I'm just gonna soak it up yeah, I can. Yeah, because you really, you absolutely don't know what's around the corner. And I think my dad was, you know, sick for most of my life, wow. and he had um he was had renal failure, and he he could have had a kidney transplant, but didn't, and was on dialysis. So wow. he lived a lot of my childhood with this sort of sense of I might not be here in a year. I might not be wow. here too. I know, and he lasted until he, he was 56. Yeah, because it, w- it was only a few years ago mm. he passed away, right? Yeah, yeah. So with that has come this like, I mean, there's lots of challenges with that, but this perception that life is short and you've, you've just got to grab it mm. when you can. Yeah. And he was a real worker. Like his, his whole drive was work and loved writing and you know, fitted in as much as he could in every minute of the day around his illness and didn't let it stop him. Right. And I think there's, I've sort of learned from that, but also can see the other side where he would sometimes be so passionate about his work, he would forget to enjoy other things. Right. You know, yeah. as well. And yeah. and anyway, it's just made me really understand that, that you were only here for a short amount of time. I know we feel like, you feel like you're not though. Do you know what I mean? Like you go, yeah. oh yeah, well that won't happen to me or yeah, but we're so not, we're, we're so, so not. And you know, I'm yeah. often like, fuck man, we could die tomorrow. I am so like, I if know. I overthink, I freak myself out. Mm. Sometimes I'll be laying in bed and I'm like to them, doesn't life just fucking scare you? He's like, not really. I'm like, we just don't know anything. Like this is, all, this is ridiculous. This is all an illusion. Like what's going on? Like, <laughs> I know, we're just like hurtling through space. What even is space? What is that? Don't. What is it? Don't. What is it? Yeah. That's the, I think that's also, yeah, it's funny because in some moments I'm like, it's amazing and so incredible that we don't know. We couldn't. There's no way because we would not do a thing if we knew how (laughs) fragile it was. Do you know what I mean? If we actually could grasp, we're actually all going to fucking die, (laughs) which we can't. You can't, we say it and we know it, but we can't really grasp it. No. You wouldn't do anything. Thing. you'd be too you'd be too scared to yeah. do a thing that's so true I also sometimes I think about it the other way that if you have the understanding that you're going to die because we all are oh god yeah you then feel awake in your life yeah because yeah. you know that it's not forever which mm. is so 
terribly terrible at one stage and then also kind of like amazing yeah. from here now. But I also yeah. think that's with going going, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm just going to fucking do it because I mm. am going to die one day, so let's just do it. Yeah. You know, like that's, yeah. you know, if I have an idea and it seems insane, I'm like, oh, well, we might, I, would, I would give it a go over not giving it a go. Why not, you know? Yeah. Because literally it's all going to be over. We're just packing up and we're going to go to Byron for three and a half months. Sam's going to take his long service leave and I'm going to do my job from there. And it was, it's disruptive and it's challenging to do it. But I'm like, I don't want to wait until we're older and do that. You know, when you like get to your 60s and you retire and you go to Queensland, I'm like, nah, let's do this now while we still can, while we're healthy. Yeah. Um, and just do things that make us feel, you know, that kind of we go, oh, let's just, why don't we just do it? Oh, it's too hard. No, we've just got to do it. We've got to find a way to do it. Mm, Yeah. How will the boys go, do you reckon? I have no idea. They'll be right. I mean, they're excited. They're so young. Like the four-year-old has no idea. So I often, do you often put your kids in the car and go, you have no idea where we're going? Yeah. (laughs) Like imagine you just got in the car all the time and you had no idea where you're going. Like we walk out the door and he won't even ask. And I'm like, are you not? Like you just don't. No, I have total control over your life. <laughs> it's so funny. We have different kids because my kid is like, where are we going? Always, always right. a real like needs to know all the time. And he's only three, not even. He's turning three in October, but he's really like, because James is like that, very like needs to have know what's going to happen and quite yes. cautious and he won't jump in or say anything until he's 100% scan the whole room and knows who's there. Right. So he's a real watcher. And so I would love him to be like, yeah, let's go out the door and see what happens. Yeah. Daddy's like, how long are we going and which park are we going to? <laughs> but their concept of time, does he get the concept of time? Oh, no. Oh, God, like no. when do they get that? Arlo, my little boy, is always like, next week can we get the lolly? And I mean, do you mean in an hour? <laughs> like there's just no con- – everything's next week or last week to him. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. It is funny. I um, I often think it must be hard being a kid because you can't control anything. Nothing. Nothing is in your control. That's why they have meltdowns all the time. Of course. Imagine how frustrating. So I'll give them the choice. Do you want to wear these shoes or these shoes? This is your choice for today. Like, so they feel a little bit. And often I'll go to the no, you know, be like, no. And then I'm like, why am I saying no? You know, just sometimes you get in the, you know, like you might be feeling a bit out of control. So you'll try and get some control back. And I'll be like, he's actually just asked for something that's so, should be a yes, but I know it all the time. I've yes. got to work on that where to give them a little bit more power because it would be it would be so powerless. You feel really powerless. Oh, totally. And like, because I know I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I don't like these pants today. Yeah. And yesterday I liked them. Who knows why? I don't. Yes. But kids are like, well, we know. We're like, you have to wear these I ones. I know. <laughs> why? It's itching me. Too bad. Just yeah. wear them. Whereas I would never wear something itchy. Oh, I'm all about the comfort. I know. So. Oh, get out of the bath. Get in the bath. Eat your dinner. Like it's yeah. all... Everything they do, I know. we make them do. I know. That's really good. Um, so I'd like to finish by asking people what advice they would give to, say, their 19-year-old self so, mm. or 15-year-old self, someone who's out there who is trying to figure out what they want to do or knows what they want to do mm. and is trying to get there. What advice would you give you? Gosh. I don't know. I feel like everything you do 
you kind of got to go through it to get where you are. Do you know what I mean? But I look back and I just used to, I worried so much about my body and spent so many years stressing over my body and restricting what I'd put into my body. And I would go back and say, do work on that now because you've got a lot of work down the track to do. And you're fucking wasting my time now. I've got shit to do. <laughs> I think I would. I think things like that. My my main concerns when I was younger was very, uh, very much body related. So I would say deal with that. Don't compare yourself to others, and just keep going. Just keep trying. You get knocked down. Just go again. Mm. Don't get. Don't be scared. Just go for it. Because you're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> at some point. <laughs> But you're 37 and you're still alive, so, so that's you're good. fine. Yeah. You've at least got today. Yeah, I think. Just watch when you're crossing the road. How deep is that? Yeah, my advice to myself, lousy. I'd be like, "Is that all you got? Is that all you've got?" <laughs> no, but it is as complex and as simple as that. It yeah, comes back. To, well, obviously that you're going to die, but just that you got to keep going. Just keep going, man. That's that is that is nailed it. I reckon that's brilliant advice because so much of what happens in life is just people stopping. Yeah, or just being scared, going, oh, that didn't work, I'm, okay, I'm not going to do that. Mm, I'm um, too, yeah, too scared to go for that job, too scared to change, yeah. too scared to put myself out there because what if I fail? Exactly, mm. yeah, Where and I- you will, you will fail, you will get knocked back, but just keep going because why not? I would always look at women and go who were where I wanted to be and go, they didn't always do this, they had to get there, mm. so why can't I? Yeah. I'm always a bit of a law. If they can do that, I can do that. Yeah, I love that. Okay, yeah. that's great advice for life, hey, I reckon. Thank you for um, having me. We talked for Aww, so long. We did. About I know. Everything. It was so long. I loved it so much. I'm going to make you, you so um, which now you'll have to keep this in, I'm going to make you take off your pants and show me your third, third degree tears now. Oh, God. No. <laughs> And I was like, why not? Life's too short. <laughs> yeah. We're going to die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lucky it's an audio medium, guys. Okay, well, I'm off to do that. Take my pants off and I'll, I'll see you later. Bye. Nah. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, your host, Claire Tonti, and with Monty Diamond. For more from Monty, head to her website, Show and Tell Online, or you can also hear her if you are in Australia and you can listen online too on Kiss FM at 3pm on weekdays with Beck Jard and Numi Steins. It's a great show to listen into as well. For more shows just like this one, you can head to planetbroadcasting.com. We have lots of great shows, including one called The Millennial Divide, three sisters talking pop culture and politics all the high and lowbrow stuff that we love and maybe even some um, fashion recommendations along the way. If you would like to email in the show and I'd love you to, you can head to justmakethethingpod at gmail.com and more from me, you can go to Instagram at Claire Tonti where I like to tell stories or over on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies. I think that's it from me this week. Our charity campaign for Care Australia is still on. If you'd like to donate, that's a link in the show notes below as well. Have a great week. I hope this interview inspired you. It certainly did me. I think my biggest takeaway was ask advice from people you admire and just figure out what you want to do. I think spend some time really thinking deeply about that and then once you've done that, head down, work hard, and I reckon you'll get there. Okay, until next time, just make the thing. See ya. See ya.